We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by both Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. And we are excited to be back with you for another Friday edition of the podcast. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's episode 1017. That would be Matt Flynn, Devontae Adams episode. And it is our farewell episode to Maggie, at least for this year. And I'm, I, I kind of doubt that she'll grace us with her presence moving forward after the performance we put on this draft season. But you never know. And uh, in, in the eternal words of 20th century philosopher Sarah McLaughlin, I will remember you. Do-do-da-do-da-do-da. This is I I was going to say that this is a sad day for me but then that made me laugh so it doesn't sound like I'm sad at all but yeah my first or my last Friday show for the cycle but now I guess we have a reason to start looking forward to and prepping for the 2022 draft. We do all cope in very different ways and this show is off to a very strange start with Andrew. <laughs> 
singing or whatever you want to call that. No, uh, not but singing. <laughs> not singing. We've heard you do that before. Um, but Maggie's already reading 2022 mock drafts, I'm sure, and looking forward to being reunited with us, her favorite Packaday team. But uh, Andrew and I will be forced to move on without Maggie next week, which is devastating for us. Uh, we do hope that you will all come back and listen anyway out of complete sympathy for us. But speaking of devastating... Let's get into the show, guys. Last Thursday, news broke and was very fresh. It wasn't fair to us that we had to do that show, but uh, we got news that Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy with the Packers, and this, of course, came from an Adam Schefter tweet and a bomb that he dropped, which uh, came on draft day, which shows he has absolutely no respect for the holiday that we all love and cherish. Uh, But regardless, it has been a whirlwind of a week. Twitter is a total disaster, and it would be somewhat irresponsible, I think, to begin the show without a check-in on Rogers Watch 2021. So how are you guys holding up? How are you guys doing with this? Has it really only been a week? (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me right now? It's been one week. So I was just having a conversation, actually, right before we recorded with a friend of mine, and I was like... You know, there's always sort of a little bit of a hangover post-draft, right? Like, we, we spend all this time, we get all we get really, really excited about these players, and then they're finally on your team, and then you sort of just, like, exhale and, like, fall over because you're exhausted. <laughs> this year, I feel like it was so much worse because of this news. And so much of the conversation has revolved around what the Green Bay Packers owe Aaron Rodgers which I think is perfectly fair. Rodgers has been the leader of this team, the face of the franchise, made the organization a crazy amount of money, made front office jobs so much easier and people so much more secure within their roles. But what about what Aaron Rodgers owes the Green Bay Packers? So let's take a look back. This team, this is the team that drafted him when 23 other teams decided he was not their franchise player. This is a team that drafted him despite having a Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster who is credited by most for getting the referendum passed to get the stadium renovated that ended up keeping the franchise in Green Bay. I think a lot of people just totally forget that like Green Bay was ever in danger of losing the franchise. And this is the team that employed the coach who helped Rodgers rework his throwing mechanics and learn the game. And it, it is the team that gave him the time to learn without all the pressure that somebody like Alex Smith faced to play right away. And this is the team that turned the franchise over to him when that legend that was Brett Favre wanted back in. But they were committed enough to Aaron Rodgers to face the immense criticism and media scrutiny that came with that decision. It's the same team that made Aaron Rodgers the highest paid player in the league and then ripped up his contract to make him the highest paid player in the league again when he outperformed the last one, even though they did not have to. It's the team that stuck with him when his injuries piled up and it looked like he may have been a shell of his former self. It's the team that fired a Super Bowl winning head coach to bring in a young offensive mind to challenge Aaron Rodgers and also to extend his career. So, yeah, the Packers owe Aaron Rodgers a lot. The criticisms of not always considering his thoughts and feelings when making personnel decisions may be more than fair. But Aaron may want to take a long look in the mirror, think about where his career could have been if the Packers had not taken that chance on him back in 2005. So it is really, really difficult to sift through all of the rumors and reports that are out there right now and really try to land on what is true or mostly true. Um, If it's true that Aaron Rodgers has grown in frustration with the organization through decisions to part ways with receivers like Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson, apparently Jay Kummerow was a big, (laughs) big deal to him, has been reported. 
reported, I guess. Those are personal offenses. And you can see how Rodgers would be frustrated that his friends and players he trusted weren't being valued the way that he thought that they should be. But that said, Goody has been right in most of his judgments. And the Green Bay Packers have a very good roster in large part because recently of Brian Gutekunst. And I hope that Aaron Rodgers can see that and can value that, that this team that he's a part of that has been to two straight NFC Championship games is what it is, obviously because he's here, but also because of the work that Brian Gutekunst has done. Uh, But it does seem like there's been some more light that has been shed on this situation just recently. Uh, James Jones was on NFL Network today and said that he believes that this situation is fixable and that it has nothing to do with trying to get a GM fired or Rodgers not getting enough money. John Kuhn said that Aaron Rodgers loves being a Packer and has absolutely not ruled out a return. And then, of course, A.J. Hawk admitted that the tension is real and that it will be an uphill battle to work through it. But ultimately, he's hopeful that they can salvage the situation. And so it seems that the pendulum has kind of swung back a little bit from the emotional nightmare that it's been this week. Um, And maybe we're not on the edge of the cliff that we thought we were with this Rodgers situation. I think one thing that is worth noting in this, these are close friends of Aaron Rodgers. They do not speak if they think that is going to harm him. And so I don't know like why Rodgers has not chosen to speak himself, uh, but it very much seems that some people have come to his aid to say, it is not exactly what you think it is, and we should maybe just, you know, hold our breath a little bit in finding out what's actually going to happen. Yeah, and I think so much of this, like as we get more pieces of the puzzle it gets a little bit clearer, but then we also have more question marks, right? So Adam Schefter obviously had said that he was kind of sitting on this accumulation of information for a very long time, decided to release it on draft day, which is unfortunate for the 259 guys that obviously were, that was one of the biggest moments of their life. But, you know, then we hear from him that it wasn't the Rogers camp that leaked it. Like so many people thought, so many people thought that Rogers was doing this, to get attention or leverage. And, you know, then people thought that it was Green Bay's camp doing it. So I think we're starting to see, like you said, a lot more light being shed on the situation. But I will say that I feel much better about Rodgers being a Packer in 2021 and beyond than I maybe did when we recorded on draft night last Thursday night. And, you know, I think what we've been seeing is just there's a lot of tension in the organization and that everybody wanted this to remain in-house and then it didn't. So now it's kind of about them finding a common ground, Green Bay wanting Rodgers to be the guy, Rodgers wanting to be the guy, but wanting to have that commitment that he will actually be the guy until he retires. So I do understand both sides of this. And I've been trying really hard to take my fan emotion out of it, you know, looking at it objectively. I think we can rationalize both sides of this. But I will say, after, like you mentioned, the Jones and the Kuhn comments specifically, I definitely think that this is something that can be resolved. You know, some of the reports we heard over the weekend definitely made me feel worse <laughs> or like this was all going to end. Um, so it's been nice to hear the last couple of days that that may not actually be the case. So now we get to transition into the part of the show that I know everybody is just really looking forward to. And that is we get to talk about the fourth round picks in this class. And uh, because the Packers used one of their fourth rounders to move up, uh, they only had one pick in the fourth round. And it it was, of course, the player that everybody is talking about out of this Green Bay draft class. Offensive lineman Royce Newman from Mississippi. Yeah. Were you being sarcastic? I was being majorly sarcastic. (laughs) This is the topic we drew. Really, Andy? Really? (laughs) 
I'm just kidding. Okay, so we'll we'll give Royce his credit. He was picked uh, at pick 142 overall in the fourth round. Um, the Packers have had success taking tackles in the fourth round before, right? Mr. David Bakhtiari uh, being a, a pretty darn good example of that. Um, but of the 276 prospects I evaluated for the draft, none of them were Royce Newman. <laughs> so I have some interesting facts for you, Kyle. This hey, is just for Kyle. Sorry, Maggie. He is Paul yeah. Newman's grandson, right? You know, actor Paul Absolutely, Newman. His yeah. uncle was on Seinfeld, <laughs> right? Newman. He, I don't know any of these things are actually true, but as we've learned over the last week, you can just literally say stuff that has no basis in reality and people will believe it. Right, Adam Schefter? <laughs> Jeez. No, okay. I'm going to let Kyle get into some more specifics, but the way I see it, Newman should get every chance to prove he's a right tackle first, and then slide him inside if that doesn't work out. Andrew could have just taken the time that he took to write all those jokes and graded the player. <laughs> like <laughs> I could have, <laughs> but he didn't. Um, so no, for real though, as this is a player that was not on a lot of people's minds, um, but Tony Pauline actually thought that Royce Freeman could have snuck into day two. He thought maybe end of the third round, a team would really like his athleticism and his upside and take a swing there. So not universally a name a lot of people were talking about, but in other circles, someone that the NFL seemed to be a lot higher on. So uh, Ben Fennell pointed out on Twitter that Royce Newman was one of the few players to line up at tackle, guard, and center at the Senior Bowl. And so that versatility combined with his 2.72, no, let me try this again. That's not a Brian Gutekunst would be like having a heart attack right now. An 8.72 RAS uh, makes him a very, very Packers-like pick. Uh, most in the draft community project Newman as a guard, uh, but I believe the Packers have him listed as a guard slash tackle on everything that they have released about Royce Newman. So they're obviously liking that versatility. Newman was a wide receiver in high school. Um, and then added weight to play offensive line in college. So that speaks to his athleticism, his movement skills. And I think the Packers would like him to add a little bit of strength and power. That's a common critique of his game. Um, but they have to love the athleticism and the flexibility that this pick will give them um, as they kind of retool this offensive line going forward. But anybody who listens to this podcast know that we only talk about the very, very serious elements of the game. So we obviously have to talk about Royce Newman wearing number 70 and what that means. Yeah, how dare they give away Alex Light's number, <laughs> right? So, you know, you, you bring up an interesting point, and, and I think, you know, th that athleticism is something that you look at, and in the fourth round, you're definitely willing to take a gamble on it, on him. You know, they're, not, not to just harp on this Bakhtiari thing, because obviously comparing Royce Newman to David Bakhtiari is a little ridiculous, um, but... Bakhtiari was somebody that a lot of people thought was going to be a guard in the NFL because they didn't think that, you know, he had all of the tools to play outside. I think Newman's a guy who, at least on the highlight packages I've seen, looks like he's a pretty smooth kick slide. And, and I think, you know, he's going to be given every opportunity to sort of sit and learn and develop that strength. And as, as long as he's not thrown into the fire right away, um, I think, you know, he'll have a, a really good opportunity to make the team this year and, um, you know, be an impact player down the road. But one thing to consider, if Newman does end up being an interior player, the Packers have the following interior offense alignment. Elton Jenkins. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucas Patrick, John Runyon, Simon Stepaniak, uh, Billy Turner, maybe, Josh Myers, John Dietzen, and Royce Newman. And those are just the guys that I think can compete for a spot. There's like four or five other names that are sort of out there, and you never know. Maybe one of them uh, steps up as well. The interior of this offensive line is jam-packed. And while I don't want to steal the thunder of um, when when they have the UDFA podcast later this week, Dietzen is somebody for me to watch out for. He was incredibly highly regarded before a series of injuries forced him to actually retire at Wisconsin. He came back, and so, you know, that that was similar to what the story we were talking about with Jalen Phillips having to retire in college and then, then came back. Um, and Dietzen spent much of last year getting his legs under him with the Badgers. But if he's healthy, he could be a really, really interesting UDFA as somebody who is very highly regarded before those injuries. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah, I think the theme for this year's draft, at least, you know, with the offensive linemen they took, was just position versatility. They took Myers in the second round, and he played center at Ohio State. But we noticed, obviously, that the Packers haven't necessarily committed to him playing center in Green Bay yet. And they said that he can compete for any spot really along the interior. So I think that's kind of how I look at Newman, too. I was a little bit surprised that the Packers didn't necessarily take a true tackle in this class and instead got a lot of that interior depth. Although I guess we don't really know where Newman will start camp. I do agree with you, Andrew. I think they should let him try to be the right tackle and then swing him inside if they need to. Um, But I think they also know, you know, what they have in Billy Turner, who looked more at home on the outside, even Elton Jenkins, if they want to move him from left guard, even though I personally would not be for that. Um, So does the lack of depth scare me a little bit? 
maybe since there's not a Rick Wagner there or a Jared Valdir kind of waiting in the wings. But I also think that with the versatility that we have in guys like Newman and even a guy like John Runyon Jr. who potentially could play tackle, the Packers have set themselves up really well on the offensive line. Okay, guys, I'm a little bit upset with how quickly we moved on from the number conversation because that's really, really important (laughs) to me. Okay, so, I mean, we talked about Alex Light. We're joking. No disrespect to Alex Light. But TJ Lang, right? We have to talk about TJ Lang, right? Number 70. Let's talk about this as well because I'm all about conspiracy theories, right? So who wore number 71 for the Packers that we all loved? Does anybody remember? Josh Sitton. Josh Sitton. What number did they give to Josh Myers? Well, he wore 71 in college, so he gets his college number, Kyle. Okay, right? Quit trying to be a conspiracy theorist. Listen, we get 71 (laughs) and we get 70. So if they let Lucas Patrick play center and move Elton Jenkins to right tackle, your starting guards are number 71 and number 70. It's just a little bit of throwback to the good old days of Josh (laughs) Sitton and uh, TJ Lang. So I'm just saying. can, Can I throw something in there as long as we're having this stupid conversation <laughs> yes please do i don't like it when when interior offense linemen wear numbers in the 70s it actually bothers me a little bit like i think tackles should wear numbers in the 70s there's should something they wear to it s- single digits what if we let offensive linemen wear single digits <laughs> it's kind of unfair that they don't yeah. Like, why is that the one position that they don't allow to wear single-digit numbers? Would that be slimming, you know, like stripes and shirts and stuff? Like, <laughs> I, right? I think so, it would make them look wider. I think yeah. you need two numbers for balance. I agree. That number is going to be real stretched out. <laughs> it's going to be real stretchy. <laughs> Josh Myers just wears numbers zero. Like, that may not be. I don't know. I don't Anyway, you come here for the best content. Let's just keep rolling with uh, with our, our good content here, guys. So that does it for Royce Newman. We're pretty excited about what he could develop into. Uh, the other thing we wanted to do on today's pod is look around the NFC North just a little bit and see what some of the other teams up here did with their draft classes. These are obviously the teams that the Packers will see twice a year, and so it always stinks a lot when you see some of your favorite prospects land in the division on other teams. And the NFC North, they drafted pretty well overall this year across the board. So we're going to jump into this conversation. Uh, Maggie, I'm going to kick this back to you to start with the Chicago Bears. I know we're supposed to talk about the the draft, uh, the rivals right now in the North, but I just was thinking while you were talking about Josh sitting about his hair and Royce Newman has really good hair. So it'd be really nice if he ended up playing right tackle because then David Bakhtiari and Royce Newman would also have really nice hair. And we know that Aaron Rodgers is also growing out his hair. So this could be like team flow, which we haven't seen in a while for the Packers, obviously since uh, Clay Matthews departed. But the question is, is Jordan Love growing out his hair? Probably not. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Probably nice. not. All right, well, let's talk about the Bears. <laughs> so, obviously, last week on the show, we talked about how we all hated how much we loved the Justin Fields pick for Chicago. Um, but honestly, the rest of their draft was just as solid, and I hate that for them. Uh, the Bears made seven picks in the draft. They grabbed their quarterback of the future, obviously, and then they traded up in the second, traded again after trading up in the first round to grab who will likely be their left tackle of the future. They just released Charles Leno Jr., and that was a Tevin Jenkins, that selection in the second round. So say what you want about the Bears front office. We all have said plenty, I'm sure, about the Bears front office, but they were aggressive in getting their guys this year, and they got two really good ones. 
aside from that quarterback selection, obviously the bears truly had a draft. I expected to see from the Packers, two offensive tackles, a couple gadget skill players and a really solid corner and then a defensive lineman. So after fields and Jenkins, the bears didn't pick again until the fifth, uh, but then they grabbed another tackle. And then in the sixth, they took Khalil Herbert, who I believe the Packers met with in the pre-draft process. They took Daz Newsome, the wide receiver. I know a lot of Packers fans really liked going into day three of the draft. And then they took Thomas Graham Jr. out of Oregon, the slot corner, who I thought made a lot of sense for the Packers in the later rounds. Um, And then they grabbed a huge defensive lineman from BYU who also was on, you know, I think a lot of Packer fans mind. So I hate complimenting the bears. I really do. Um, as somebody whose father daughter dance at her wedding was to the bears still suck. Um, <laughs> it really, it really bothers me, but they nailed the draft this year and now somebody else has to go. So I don't have to think about this anymore. Sorry about the loud crashing. That, that was, that was on my end. <laughs> was that your puppy? No, that was me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I cannot I cannot tell a lie. But yeah, I think I think we all really liked what the Bears ended up doing. And yes, it's a very shallow draft class, but I I think the depth um, that they're going to get the benefit of of taking Fields and then um, you know also Tevin Jenkins I, I I think was just a phenomenal way to start and really helped to address two really, really big needs. And when left tackle and quarterback are a need on your team and you can you can go find people to replace that, that's a, a really good way to go. So I got the Vikings um, and the Vikings traded down in the first round to 23 and they ended up still nabbing Christian Darasaw, the offense tackle from Virginia Tech and, and getting the guy that likely would have been there earlier and likely would have been their pick and then accumulating more assets is a great way to go. Uh, kudos to Rick Spielman for pulling that one off. I thought Darisaw was one of the two guys early in the draft that were true left tackles, um, and he's a big asset to an offensive line unit that has been brutal the last several seasons, so we'll see if they're able to improve there. They jumped back in the, in, in the third. At pick 66, they take Kellen Mond, the quarterback from Texas A&M, and I typically am just really not a fan of taking a quarterback on day two. You're either good enough to get drafted high or you're a backup. And, you know, clearly somebody like Russell Wilson would prove me wrong in that instance. But I don't think it is the most inspired pick ever. I did have Mond with essentially the same grade as Mac Jones. So I guess (laughs) get him in the third round instead of 15 overall is pretty good value. Um, At a minimum, he's a good backup, but he could be a developmental upside kind of player. In the third, uh, the the Vikings actually had three picks. They got Chaz Surratt, the, or they had four. I'm sorry, because Mond was one of them. Uh, they had Chaz Surratt, the linebacker from North Carolina, is the second one. I know Kyle and I really loved him. I uh, never never really got that draft buzz that I was expecting, but he's another big line, athletic linebacker. Minnesota loves to use those, and so um, he'll probably step in and be a contributor right away. They get uh, Wyatt Davis, the guard from Ohio State, and, and with their third third round pick who is the grandson of Packers legend Willie Davis, uh, puke to that, uh, and why his draft stock dove during 2020. But there's a lot of reason to think he could be a really, really good pro. Uh, and then with their fourth third-round pick, they get Patrick Jones the second, the edge rusher from Pittsburgh. Um, they had three fours because Rick Spielman loves accumulating draft assets. They get the running back, Kenny 
Wangu, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, who I didn't really know anything about, but he's like a big physical guy. Um, they get Cameron Bynum, the defensive back from California, Janarius Robinson, and Edge from Florida State, who has ridiculous upside, super crazy athlete. Florida State doesn't coach their players, so like guys come into the NFL and they're just super raw, but maybe it could be like a B plus Daniil Hunter. Uh, they get Amir Smith Marset, the wide receiver from Iowa that all the Packer uh, Twitter analysts were having draft crushes galore over. So that was a real kick in the stomach. Uh, you get the tight end Zach Davidson from Central Missouri, who's really intriguing. I liked him a lot. Um, he didn't play in 2020 because Central Missouri didn't play in 2020, but uh, really athletic guy, maybe a developmental guy. And then they get the defense lineman Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh in the sixth round. So another huge draft class for Minnesota. Not the 15 players that they had last year, but a lot of depth, a lot of quality. I think they did a good job, right? Like, I think getting Darisaw and then Wyatt Davis, you're, you're plugging a lot of holes on the, your biggest need, which is the offensive line. They didn't address defensive back, which if I'm Minnesota, I'm pretty nervous about. But, um, you know, they, they they definitely did a good job with the resources they had. Yeah, we love to be critical of the other teams in the NFC North as often as possible on this podcast. But really, it's pretty hard to do this year when it comes to the draft classes because they're just solid across the board. Good players, good value. And that continues with the Detroit Lions, um, which is maybe not something that we've said a lot of prior. But they're doing some good things in Detroit. I think they're trying to build things the right way. Their class started with Penny Sewell, um, the offensive tackle from Oregon. Uh, in the second round, they went with Levi Anzariki from Washington, the defensive tackle. And then they doubled there. They went with Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State, NC State there at 62. And then um, Ifatu Melifonwu is a player that we loved, loved, loved. Went really, really late in, in our you know estimation of his talent there from Syracuse uh, to the Lions at pick 101. And then Amon Ross St. Brown from USC in the fourth round. Derek Barnes, the linebacker from Purdue. And then rounding things out with Jamar Jefferson, the running back from Oregon State in the seventh round. So I'm from Michigan, so I hear people talking about the Lions all the time. And every offseason is always a mixture between blind optimism and discouraging realism <laughs> for Lions fans. They've been bad and they've been They've had a bad process for a long, long time. And honestly, after the kneecap biting comments, I think many were discouraged again about where this was going. Um, and time will tell. But I think the Lions are making some smart moves to change their culture and their process here. I like that they didn't push for a quarterback when they knew that their current roster couldn't ensure that quarterback success right now. And I like that they didn't reach for a wide receiver just because they have a huge, huge hole there on the roster. Outside of Calvin Johnson, Lions fans are haunted by the organization's just simply throwing picks at wide receivers early in the draft. They've had Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, but instead this year they chose to just hold tight, build the trenches, stick with a pick like Sewell, and then Anzariki and McNeil in the second round on the defensive side, I think will give them a great pair there for a long time on defense. Uh, and then getting Ifatu in the late third is just a total, total steal. So um, you like Melifanwu and Jeff Akuda there uh, as a pair. Uh, that's a high upside. I don't know that we got what we wanted out of Jeff Akuda last year, uh, but you like what that means for them for the long term. And then, of course, with the same Brown brothers uh, both playing in the same division, that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So all around, really, really like what Detroit did, and I think they're laying the groundwork for this to be hopefully a different kind of a, a franchise if you're a Detroit Lions fan. 
Absolutely. Was there anything else that either of you wanted to add before we uh, get out of here? Just like looking back at all of the draft classes, revisiting them, I'm just reminded that they were all really good and I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I get to the point where I don't even remember where a player was drafted until I start looking aggregately at at the classes. That's why one of the things that Kyle and I do on the, in the lead up to the season is going over all of the opponents uh, that the Packers are going to face. Um, and, and like taking a look at their draft classes always jogs my memory of like, oh man, I love that guy. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think when you're just sitting watching the draft, it's like, oh no, another one of my players went. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I think that'll be fun. Well, anyways, this is, this is where we have to say goodbye to Maggie um, until we meet again. And I, I know <laughs> we've really appreciated having you on the team and um, really carrying us and bringing a lot more ears to do the podcast that we, we would ever get without you so i'm just we like will not maggie talk. has the same number of ears as we do it took me a second there yeah. it's getting I really late. i was gonna i was gonna say eyes and that would be inaccurate <laughs> so i changed it um but seriously maggie you are a absolute pleasure to to work with and uh you know i know you won't talk to us until you have to again next year but uh we really appreciate you being here with us during draft season. Well, I appreciate you guys letting me crash because I know last year you were like, "Ew, what? And now this year you <laughs> welcomed me back. So that's exciting. That's because <laughs> we, we know you bring all of your uh, superstar status with you. Um, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packity Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Punnett, Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. You can subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And you can catch Maggie on Tuesdays? Uh, well, I record Wednesdays, so Thursdays. Thursdays. I, I'm <laughs> so lost. Okay, so listen to Maggie and the crew on Thursdays and then tune in to Kyle and myself on Fridays. Uh, we're we're going to be back next week taking a look at the offseason and hopefully not talking about the quarterback situation unless it's resolved. (laughs) But thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.